2: The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome into episode something of the Natural Hat Trick podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Ignatty, Hattie. I'm Luke Lipinski, no Jamie Eisner, but right out of the gate, we are joined by Coyotes forward, Connor Garland. Connor, thanks for the time, man. What's, uh, what's your off season been like and and how has it been going from, you know, the unknown of last season into the bubble into the unknown of this off season. And now we're less than a week away. It felt pretty different. It wasn't like it was,
0: you know, it's just, it was a hard situation to be in to play through. And once we got out of there, uh, you know, I kind of got right back to work. And, um, I think I said earlier in the week that when we were training in the summer, we didn't know when we were going to start. So, um it was kind of like you were going to the rink talking about if we're going to play or not And once we kind of found out we were playing there was a lot of excitement and i think you know just our training picked up from there and um but i had a good summer at home getting ready the usual stuff you know i kind of like to do the same thing and be in a routine in the off season and uh i came out here about a month ago just to get ready uh ready here
1: what are you seeing in camp so far i know this is uh Unusual uh, guys in and out of the lineup. You haven't had your full lineup yet, but what have you seen thus far in the few uh, practices you guys have had?
0: Yeah, I think um, you know. I think our pace has been really good. I, I remember, um, you know, it's a little different. My my first my first couple of years, including last year, my my mindset was a lot different, and you almost you're you don't really worry about what's going on around you, and uh, sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes you might miss a prep pass in a, a warm up drill and. You know, you might be the only one that sees it, and it, it ruins your skate because you're so th- you're, you're thinking about it. But uh, this year, it's been nice and a little bit more relaxing. And um, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on just getting ready. And you know, you, you figure it out each year how to get ready for a season. Don't burn yourself out in camp. So uh, I think I think we look good. I think our, our pace has been pretty good. Um, the concepts we, we've been you know implementing into the scrimmage uh, the first day was pretty good. I thought our scrimmage was you know, the best camp scrimmage I've I've been a part. It was a pretty
1: pretty good pace. There's no real danger in burning yourself out in camp this year though, is there?
0: Um, no, no, there, there isn't really like, um, you know, last year, I remember my first two preseason games I played, you know, really well, but I was also trying to prove that I could be an everyday and, you know, my thought was that I could be a top six player. And um, if that wasn't, you know, the, what, what the staff was thinking at the time, which, you know, it's fine. I only played 50 games. So, so I almost was trying to prove them right from the start and then, the last three precinct games I was terrible because I was so tired Um, so there isn't much of that this year you're almost trying to get in shape it's almost like the old days come to camp nobody trained and then you get in shape in camp so it's kind of like that this year uh, because you're not going to have any tune-up games so your your tune-up games are
2: are battle drills and, and, and the scrimmages Connor, you just kind of mentioned it right there. I mean, you are a more established piece on this team now. And I, I know, you know, last couple of years, like you said, you were trying to prove where you belong and prove you do belong in the top six in camp. I mean, I think you've shown this coaching staff what you can do. Does it change your mental approach to camp and the whole season?
0: No, because, um, you know, even if you have a job, there's there's guys behind you. Like, I was a guy behind, you know, I, I was someone that knew what our lineup, what our, our – um, 50 man roster looked like I knew who was coming and who was in front of me. And I, I knew what jobs I wanted to take. So I know there's someone in the American league or somebody in, you know, the OHL or Quebec league that wants to come in and take my job. So you have to come in and prove every year that that's your job and um, that you can do, you know, what you do best. And I, I think I'm one of the top six forwards on this team that can, you know, score and contribute, you know, each and every night. And you only do that by going out and proving it. So I got to keep doing that or they'll uh,
1: find someone who, who can did you know any of the new guys that have come in, whether it's the, the PTOs or the guys you, you signed or traded for? Um, the
0: only name I was really familiar with was, uh, was John Hayden. He, uh, he was kind of a big name coming up as a kid um, through USA Hockey. I remember he was he, – I think he was the captain of World Juniors, if, I, if I'm right. He, uh, um, but the other guys were in Buffalo who have actually only played twice – arson and i wasn't familiar with him and pitlick and i think he was injured both times we played philly this year so um all the stuff i heard from guys that played with him were were the stuff you know you like to hear good guys um and good players pitlick you know in the scrimmage is really um you know not not that he has to impress me but he did he did impress me his stick is really good he's got a good nose for the net and um it's good to add players like that into your lineup and someone who can play up and down and the same with all, all all three of the new guys
2: there's there's no way, I guess, to know this for sure yet, but with the schedule being so different and just everything being so different, I mean, how much does it help that you guys do have a lot of continuity on your roster, and specifically in net, you could probably go three deep if you had to?
0: Yeah, yeah, Hil- Hilsey's very, very underrated. I have play, he's probably my longest tenured uh, teammate, and uh, a very good guy, very good goalie, likes to compete, and um, having three goalies and, and someone like Hilsey for the year is going to help us a ton in practice, because he'll they'll stay out as long as you need him if he's not, if he's not going, but uh, Rance and Darcy, obviously a lot of people rate them as the best tandem. And um, I would, I would have a hard time not putting Darcy as, you know, top, top goalie in the league, if not, um, you know, top two or three. So um, yeah, we're very fortunate with our goalie crew and especially this year, it's it's so compacted that, you know, there's, there's not many goalies that go back to back. So um, it'll be nice to lean on
1: all three of those guys. Connor, let's get to your off season a little bit. I wrote a story, obviously, uh, a little bit earlier, which, and I'm exaggerating a little bit here, sort of got interpreted as you don't like to score goals anymore. You just want to be Adam Oates and get a lot of assists. So can you talk a little bit about, about your focus this year? And, and tell us also why you hate scoring goals now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's nobody. I mean, I don't know if you ever watch a, uh, the practices. I mean, I celebrate on probably every Every goal I, I score, there. every goal I score in practice, there's no. I mean, I used to get in trouble. I played at Chadwick St. Mary's for a year, and uh, they they used to tell me to stop celebrating in practice because you know we'd score on a two on one, and I would be jumping into the glass. And I think it's more of maybe an East Coast thing or something that I know a lot of Boston guys that do it, but in the Midwest they they didn't do it. So it was strange for them to see. But no, I love scoring. I, I love, I love hockey. I love the joy of. Of scoring I like the joy of you know playing and battling so when you score there's there's nothing like it, it really is true there's no fe- there's no feeling like you know scoring in the NHL and a big goal or a winning goal or you know winning a game those feelings are undescribable so um no I want to score as many goals as I can I, the, the thing I was saying is you know when I watch my games in the summer um fortunately my parents record the games because they're, they're up so late they have to they have to watch them in the morning um is that you, you see a lot of times I, I would fire pucks from the corner and I know I score a couple bank goals but um, you know, if those aren't going in, it's a wasted puck. So let's, let's hold on to it. And um, this year, if you're playing with, you know, Kells or Schmalti or Devo, whoever, you know, I may end up with, you know, those guys want the puck in in, in high, in high uh, scoring areas. So I don't want to be wasting pucks from the corners, you know, hoping they go in. I want to maybe climb the wall and find another player, hold on to pucks a little more behind the goal line and not waste some shots. There's a lot of times I, I saw it in games. And um, like I said, you want to get better every day and, you know, we're a team that definitely needs to score more goals. And, you know, I know I led the team in goals, but the, the, you know, I can, I can still lead the team in goals and add maybe, you know, a couple more goals, more assists, you know, that's, a, that's another way to add some offense for this team.
1: I don't want to shamelessly plug my t- my uh, story that I wrote, although I guess I, I just, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you worked on to, to accomplish that goal uh, that you just talked about.
0: Well, it was, it was, you know, it was a conscious effort. I actually, um, you know I've, I've had people where I've been fortunate to watch film with you know I, I worked with people in the summer and actually my old roommate Crank um, Cunningham actually watched film with me a few times this summer and we, we saw the same thing it's you know he, he played with me when I was a rookie in the American League and he saw you know some of the stuff that I did in junior where I could hold on to pucks down low and make plays that some guys you know you know sometimes can't you, you can you can see a pass before it happens and you got to rely on those instincts, you know, and and that was something we talked about. And, you know, in scrimmages in the summer, you know, when you're, when you're going against guys, don't just fire a puck away, look for it because you turn a puck over in the summer, it's not a, it's it's, no one's there to yell at you. So you can, you can get away with that and then find out, you know, when to, when to do it and, you know, you know, maybe make a high risk play once in a while instead of just, you know, throwing a puck on, on net with nobody there. Obviously there's times to throw a puck on net, but you know, when you're from the corner, you know, just trying to make some more high, you know,
2: high end plays in in tight areas this year. Connor, you're one of the guys that consistently is willing to go to the net. I mean, we've seen you score with the puck, go off your face. We've seen, we've seen you score all different kinds of ways. When you talk about instinct, has that always been an instinct of yours to attack the net? Cause it doesn't seem like it is for, for everybody around the league necessarily. Uh, no,
0: it, it wasn't. I think, um, you know, one of the reasons I spent the f- years in the minors is because in junior, um, I would hang behind the net and and it worked, for, it worked you know, well for me. I, you know, I led this country in scoring twice coming out from behind the net a lot. Just our defense would rim the puck and I'd pick it up off the wall and find somebody. And then you get to the American league and that stuff doesn't work. You know, you get to the NHL, you'll never see it. So um, I remember my, my second, second year in the minors, So I was struggling. And the coaches just said, you know, let's, let's, let's start going to the net. Like let's, let's find something else that, to make you successful. And, um you know steve pop and mike van ryan and john slaney were were keys to that they were hard on me to get to the net and you know i became a part point for game guy after that and it was like hey, i'm scoring some goals here and I, and I wasn't scoring goals ever in the american league and um and then i came up to arizona and you know i remember our first meeting talk was talking about you know guys not going to the net and guys not scoring and i was like well you know if i don't want to go back to tucson that might be a good way to stay Is just go to the net and I think it, in my first couple of games, I was at the net screening, um, and they and they would go in, you know, and you'd get, you know, you know the coaches would notice that, and then all of a sudden you go to the net and they hit you in the leg, and you got a goal, and then it's off your stick, off your face, and all of a sudden you have ten goals and you know thirty games, and you're a call-up. So that's kind of how it went for me, and you know I just the same thing last year and it, it had success, and you know I don't want to change that
1: because you know I don't have the best shot, but I can get into those areas where I can score from it's no secret that this team needs to find a little more offense. Rick has talked about it, that, that 0.3 to 0.5 more goals per game. How do you guys accomplish that as a group?
0: Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint because you know, we we really, we really need to get some offense. It's, it's, I I think it's, you know, we we just have to have a mindset of, you know, when we get into those areas, we have to score because, we do have games where we have so many chances and you're up on the bench, it hits a post, we get bounces. And I feel like the best teams convert on those bounces. I don't see, you know, Crosby, you know, or Gensel or guys on Pittsburgh or Boston where where they're missing these chances that many times. And maybe it's a mindset or maybe it's, you know, they work on that a lot, but we definitely have to get more of a killer instinct in tight and, uh, and know that, you know, we might not get, you know, 15 grade a chances, you know, from the style we play, but we get 10, we got to convert on three of them and, uh, you know, I think that you start converting on those chances, you get confidence, and you play with a little more swagger, and, you know, you know, then you start you start to score more. It just happens. It's, you know, it's how it's always happened. When you have confidence, the net looks bigger,
2: you know, you start scoring more goals. What do you think about the, the setup of, you know, you're going to be playing the same, what, seven teams all season, and there's going to be stretches. I think you play Vegas like four times in a row in your first six games. I mean, just in general, to see the same team over and over, that in a weird way is almost like a playoff setup.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I think we're, um, definitely in a tough division. Um, Vegas is, you know, on paper one or two, I think Colorado's probably right behind them. They're both wagons built to win a lot of playoff games. Um, you know, and, and and it's going to be a good test for us right out of the gate. So two against San Jose, who's, you know, I think a very underrated team, very injured last year and uh, this year they got everybody back. So that's another huge test. So those first six games are going to be huge because you're, they're four point games every night and, uh, you know, I know the intensity of a division game, you know, in March, um, you know, it, it's four point games and, and now it's going to be all year of that. So we have to be ready from, uh, from game one, but we were, we, we got a lot of tests right off the bat.
1: I want to chat with you about some things, uh, a little, uh, unrelated to the coyotes, at least, although I guess this next one is, is kind of related, um, I remember you uh, getting on my case because I didn't mention you when I wrote a story on John Farinacci in the past. Uh, so uh, what was it like to w- watch oh. gold and, and tell me about your relationship with him?
0: Yeah. You wrote, you wrote about dribbles, the ice cream place. That's in That's my right. hometown. I that that disgusting story about uh, Ryan making him eat that ice cream or something uh, that uh, yeah, he, he uh, he's cousins with the uh, Donato's. And I obviously grew up with Ryan and um, it, I, I I was very impressed. I, I hadn't seen him play. I think he played with us in the summer um, uh, in the Foxborough Pro League. Uh, we play. me and Ryan playing on the same team. I think he joined us. And um, I, the one thing I noticed is he, he played like such a pro. He, he He's always in the right areas. He's, he's hard on his stick. And um, I think that's hard to see. Like you see a lot of guys, um, you know, that do ex- very, very well at world juniors and, you know, maybe it doesn't translate, uh, but but he looks like someone that 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 will translate the style of the, he plays and the goals he scored are goals you will score in the NHL. So I was really impressed with him and their their game plan in the in the goal medal game was perfect. I mean, Canada, you know, that game was over before it started. They didn't have a chance with that pace of play they played at for sixty mm-hmm. minutes. It was crazy. They kept it up the whole time. But um, yeah, it was it was uh, you know it was good. They they, they dominated. It was it was. Uh, I mean, it's different. I never played in World Juniors. I have better taste getting cut twice, but you know,
1: you can always still root
0: for your country. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're talking, of course, about Ryan Donato, who's was Teddy Donato's son, and and Teddy was yeah. a coach on that team. Did you have a chance to reach out to either Teddy or or uh, John after the uh, gold medal game?
0: Uh, no, I texted. Um, I texted Teddy. Uh, I, I golf uh, and uh, skate with Ryan every day in the summer, so I'm always like, you know, we hang out every day, so I'm extremely close with him. And I just texted Teddy. And, um, you know he uh, they're actually not getting to play this year at Harvard so that stinks but um, it was good good for him to get some coaching and, and get a home hell that's, that's not a bad way to start the season but um, yeah I, I i didn't get to text John I don't know him that well but um, I do know I do know Ryan and Teddy and, and, and their family pretty well.
2: Craig I feel like we need to jump into football here can we do this I, I have at least one question for you Connor I don't know the answer I know a lot of people from Boston are kind of torn on this but have you see are we started with his bromance with Tom Brady is that what we're well, doing here I, I was just I was you know I, I know a lot of like my old college roommates from Boston and he can't bring himself to to root for the Buccaneers in the playoffs are you like that or are you just like hey it's still Tom Brady the Patriots aren't there let's see how far they go
0: no yeah I'm definitely rooting for him um he he was probably he's probably one of the bigger role models for me growing up in the city. Um It sounds weird to say, but just the way he goes about everything and, you know, how hard he works. He's 43 years old. It's crazy. You know, he had 43 touchdown passes this year at 43. (laughs) Um, Just to see how well he's performed. Um, Yeah, you're just rooting for him to do well. I I hope they, you know, I do hope they win it. And he's obviously the best of all time. And um, it'll just keep cementing that. But um, that Washington team's sneaky good. So um, he's always uh, struggled because he's never struggled. But the, the only thing that's really ever
1: stopped him is a, good defensive line that can get to him. So it's going to be a tough test for them. It's interesting. You say he was a role model for you. Is it, are there specific things that, that you looked up to or tried to emulate?
0: Um, well, I, I like to, I, I always, when I was um, older and juniors, and I became one of the assistant captains, I always liked to, when you listen to how he was mic'd up and the stuff he would say to his teammates and how he motivated people and, he, he, you know, so I would listen to it and I'd be motivated the way he, you know, talked to his teammates and how hard, how hard he worked. And that was the type of leader he was. And I think you, you learn from that. I would see how, you know, he's the best player on the team, but he's still the hardest working guy. And I, I think that's, that's something that, you know, can make any team better is if your best player is your hardest worker. So, I'm Not saying I'm our best player. I, I was our my best player on any team, but I always wanted to be the hardest working. So I think that's something to, to take. And I mean, he's still the hardest working 43 years old. It's, it's crazy. He's still playing.
2: If you, I mean, knowing that you like football, who are some of the other teams you're looking at in these playoffs? If, if the, if the Buccaneers don't win. um, I would say the
0: bills. I mean, I, I just think they look so good this year. I'm um, actually chick chick was, I believe family friends with the owners of the, uh, of the team. Um, I think he grew up with their daughter and they actually took us out on the field for warm ups last year before our sabers game i think our sabers game was on a monday and they played on a sunday uh, afternoon so we went there and um that was pretty cool so i kind of you know became you know i'll root for them obviously the patriots are out so the so the bills and uh, the bucks but i think both both teams i mean they look great and um i think the bucks should come out of the uh of the nfc i the packers and and saints are always good but they never win so i would take i would take the bucks and the bills to come out
2: doesn't chicken chicken knows everybody doesn't he He knows Lamar
0: Jackson too doesn't he yeah Lamar was at our game in Florida yeah, he's a
1: celebrity <laughs> were you uh were you surprised that the Patriots didn't sneak in
0: no um they lost to some bad bad teams early they lost to the Dolphins I mean excuse me they lost to uh the Broncos um and then they only beat the Jets by three I think in like week eight I mean they it's just it was it was almost harder to watch this year just because you would every Sunday you knew they were winning or it was going to be a close game so it was like, it's like you had 16 weeks of entertainment and this year it was almost like you know there's games that are over by the, by the third quarter and you know they weren't ever marching down the field you know every drive so it was a little different this year and um yeah it's it's, it's definitely odd I, I don't know how people do it I mean I don't know what I'm gonna you know, they got to get a quarterback because it was—I was spoiled. I—I I grew up with Tom as my quarterback, and then this—you know—this is the first year without him. And I'm 24.
1: I'm a Bears yeah. fan, so I'm still yeah. waiting.
2: Yeah, your best, your best
0: quarter, your best quarterback since I've been alive was Rex Grossman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, here this i promise this is my Luke, last I'm football need even,
1: you need to take over the interview yeah, that's, for that's fine I,
2: I have one more football one uh connor if you guys if you could get jimmy garoppolo back would you do it or is it is it time to draft somebody
0: no i think um with how good the defense is i i i don't know why bill doesn't just draft defense guys every year and then find offensive players to plug in because that seems what's what's worked he's drafted you know Richard Seymour, like Vince Woolfork, all these guys, high Hightower, Collins, he always drafts great defensive players. And then we end up drafting in the first round a guy like Sony Michelle or, you know, this the new guy, Nikhil Harry, who haven't really taken off yet. So he should just stick to drafting defense. And then, uh, you know, get Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, you know, Matt Ryan might be available. If they can get a quarterback, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, someone who can game manage and win games 24, 21, 17. Yeah, you know, that's that's what they did for 20 years, and it worked. You know, so I don't know why we would want to
2: change it up. I noticed he didn't mention Rex Grossman there, Craig. So carry on. No, or oh, Trebinski.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh. Seriously, like the best Bears quarterback that anyone can talk about in in their entire history is Sid Luckman, and I can't even remember what decade he played, and it was before mm-hmm. I was born, but. Like my dad says, Jim Harbaugh, or not Jim Harbaugh, uh, uh, Jim McMahon is the best quarterback the Bears have ever had, which is scary. I know they won a Super Bowl, but they won it because they had a, a – The D, a, right? Yeah, ridiculous defense and Walter Payton. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Jim McMahon. Still waiting. And, and yeah, it's going to – I don't understand how a franchise can be so bad at evaluating quarterbacks for its entire history, but that's the case in Chicago. Uh, it's a lot um, of locking. What's yeah. that?
0: It's all luck. I think these teams just, I mean, Mahomes was drafted 10th, Rogers 25th, uh, Watson was late in the draft, Lamar. I mean, uh, it's, it's rare to see a guy come out at number one and just take off. So it's, I don't know. I mean, it's the only position you really need and you can go eight and eight, then you put a good
1: team around them and you're, you know, in the playoffs. So it's, it can't be that hard. It's funny. All those guys you mentioned went after Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> the Bears moved up to draft um, let's move on to a different topic because uh, I'm getting a little sour here now um, a few things I wanted to ask you about before we get to listener questions um, you mentioned the goal celebrations before and how much you like doing it I saw you do one in uh, the shootout drills the other day where you celebrated like crazy if hockey were a little bit more individualistic if it, if the culture weren't so team oriented what would you like to do for a celly and then what's, what's the best celly you've ever seen
0: um well I used to do um when I was 19 years old and arrogant um I I would always stick twirl after I scored and uh if I could take a few of them back I would but that was that was what I used to do in junior and um sometimes get carried away and do it do it for longer uh than I should but uh, best one I've ever seen. That's a tough. I mean, that's a tough question. I, I think that, that I. I mean, my favorite of all time is one I didn't. I wasn't a part of. I think Mark Savard when he scored the O team winner against Philly in game. I think it was one or two in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals in uh, 2010 or 2009. Um, he threw a stick over the glass in the garden after he came back from his concussions. I thought that was that was just how, you know. Uh, raw it was and how excited he was seeing that uh theo flurries um you know that was pretty good yeah, but yeah i'm trying to think that's um we we had one in junior where i i guess actually i would stick twirl so I, I scored in a shootout um till i kind of go up one and they had one more guy to go and i stick twirled and then he went and scored to tie it up and they stick twirled and then a couple guys went and then barbershop went um, and he won it, and he, he did the stick throw the whole way down the ice. So it was like four guys in the shootout ended up doing it, but we came out on top. Uh, but then we played them, like, the next night, and they beat us, like, six to three or something, and I think every goal they scored, they stick throwed. So I was like, I might have to stop here. I can't, I can't be doing this anymore. So uh, that was that was probably my favorite when we won, and then, you know, you, you I ate it the next night.
2: You got anything? Um, to- go ahead. Well, I I, I just – I've heard – i've heard the legends that you're like the guy to talk to about coffee uh, either in the valley or just around the nhl and i know i don't have the listener questions in front of me but i know a lot of them were about that so i mean is this legit connor are you like a legitimate coffee connoisseur uh no
0: i wouldn't say connoisseur i think that's more of a, a joke with the guys because they know they know i like it so much um uh, my uncle who um i'm very close with there, my uncle and my aunt he owns a coffee company and um, uh, I think it's the best coffee there is. So that's where it comes from. I used to just, you know, drink his all the time. And, um, i probably started drinking it very young, probably around like 14 years old. I started drinking coffee because my parents, my dad would drink four a day, um, you know, in the car. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll start drinking coffee. And, uh, but no, I, I love it. And I like good tasting coffee. I don't drink, you know, bad coffee. And, um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I would say Phil, Phil has, um, Probably, probably drinks more than me. He he loves his coffee. He's got one of the nicest coffee makers I've seen in his house, and uh, I I lived with him for a couple couple weeks after the season, um, before the bubble, and yeah, you know, we had probably like a couple cup of three or four cups a day each, uh, just drinking that thing. I, can't, I don't know the name of it, but it was it was amazing. So, how do you drink your coffee? Just um, extra cream, no sugar, uh, just extra cream. Um, but I've been cutting back on my cream just because. Um, I was getting a lot my my ice my ice coffees in the summer definitely have more cream um, than the hot coffees but yeah my dad drinks his black so you get a french vanilla black from duncan's and then anyone who ever came in his car would say like what is that smell because it's all all you could
1: smell was the french vanilla (laughs) in his styrofoam cups (laughs) I will not tell you about the abominations that Luke drinks—that I have to buy, by the way—to bring into the studio when we actually get to do this. Oh, this, this, this is, is unnecessary.
0: Not, not coffee, just
1: like No, There's like milk there's milk. a lot of adjectives attached to them. I, I don't. Go ahead, Luke. I, I, no, I don't,
2: I, I don't have to defend myself here. I just—I sometimes like a chai latte. I'm not quite at the black coffee level yet. I'm working my way up the scale. I'm yeah, late to the game. Not, yeah,
0: most of that stuff's like milkshakes at Starbucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've brought. I think i brought pumpkin spice lattes into the uh, studio as well. But if you feel like we need to move on here, Luke, this is yes. Is, I, I is think we should get the to listener questions.
2: Yeah, yeah, we can go to listener questions. This is worth than wait, Trubisky.
1: Before we go to coffee, I want pe- I, I want people to know how uh, while you drink a lot of coffee, you are anti soda, right? You are seriously anti soda. Like you think it's poison.
0: Um. Well, I used to drink it a lot as a kid. I, I loved Coke. Um, And I mean, it's not, I mean, I guess it could be, I mean, I I probably drank like two a day in juniors Mm -hmm. and a teammate of mine sent me, it was kind of joking, but he sent me like what happens when you drink Coke and like your stomach and why you crave it and then why you need another one. And I was like, Oh my God, that's me. And then it was like saying what it does to your stomach. So I was like, I gotta stop drinking this. And uh, I have, for the most part, I think I've quit for like three years and then I maybe had a couple like for a month and then, stopped again i don't think i've had one for over a year now I, I i but i do drink a lot of pellegrino and every time i go out to dinner i get a soda water with a lemon and lime because of the carbonation so that's how i've i've got off of it it's carbonation what is the carbonation though uh because that's what coke is it's uh, the reason everybody likes coke is the, like the first sip that like you know the fizz whatever you know like the the bubbles um and that's the carbonation so pellegrino and and the soda water has the same thing and it's not the same taste but you know, like it fills you up a little bit. My girlfriend drinks, I mean, I don't know how many Diet Cokes. She drinks like, you know, I think she has two a day or something. And then when she's hungry, she says she just drinks a Diet Coke and it fills her up. So I don't know what's in that stuff, but it can't be good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You want to get some of the listener questions?
2: Yeah, I've got them here now. Um, Well, (laughs) some of these are are pretty random. (laughs) Um, Let's see. We'll uh, We'll start with Loyal Sif. Hard-hitting question. What's your favorite kind of pie? Wow. Okay, we're going everywhere here.
0: <laughs> favorite kind of pie? Probably just apple. I'm not a pie. Um, not a pie guy at all. I don't think I've even um, big carrot cake. That, that would be like if I have a carrot cake. Uh, we go out to eat with my aunt and uncle and parents um, at this Italian restaurant in Boston, uh, Campanelli, Excuse me, in Braintree. Uh, and there's a carrot cake there. That's that's my go-to a carrot cake. No no pies
2: uh chris chris has a good one here who's he asked who's some of the the funniest trash talking you've ever heard on the ice so far but i mean in terms of that just like who are the biggest trash talkers you've either played with or against around the league um
0: uh, nick cousins probably i mean um he 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 was he was talking a lot in uh in the bubble when we played him in that preseason game and then uh, he was someone i very i very much liked when he was here he's a very nice guy and um, We actually were going at it in the bubble, and then we were in the elevator going up together and just started laughing, like, because we're kind of the same way, both competitive, and you know, we were losing, we weren't playing good that game, and he knew it, so he kind of, like, dug in a little bit, so uh, probably him, but, I mean, there isn't much of it. I mean, it used to seem like he used to always see it, you know, every game, but now I, I don't hear any of it, really. Hmm, is That's it? interesting. I wonder why it's gone away a little bit. More more in practice. I mean, we, we usually like if a guy misses a pass, that's when I hear most of it or you mess up a drill, you know, that's, you know, that's when you hear it. You don't even hear it in the game much.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, what is what is that like? I guess playing in the bubble isn't even the same as what you guys are about to play in, but you can hear everything that's said, whether it's the coaches or, you know, other players talking to each other. Is that did it take a while to adapt to that? Or was it just kind of this is hockey once they drop the puck?
0: Uh, yeah, that it was hockey. It was it, it definitely like you spent more time thinking about it. And then um, the best part about playoffs is you know everybody finishes their hits. You know every big hit. And I think we actually got a piece of Yoshi. I think uh, a fish finished Yoshi first shift, which obviously is part of the game plan. And um, you know everybody went nuts. And uh, I think that was you were like okay, it doesn't matter crowd or not. Like we're gonna you know big hit. We're making our own energy. So it didn't it, the, the no crowd didn't affect us at all. And I don't think it will affect us again this year.
2: I think that's pretty much it, Craig. Most of the listener questions we asked a version of. Do you have anything else? or
1: well, they, they want to know how many goals you're going to score off your face this season. It seems a little
2: disrespectful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll no, take no, it. I, anyway. I,
0: I already already lost you know, my, my teeth, the top of my teeth in, in our first practice. So I, know, I saw uh, that. Uh, you came yeah, back quickly, just- though. Well, I thought they were the teeth are the craziest thing because it hurts so badly right at the start, so you, you immediately think they're gone, and then you get into the dressing room and your my lip was only cut, and just the top of my, all my teeth were chipped, so I was like, oh, okay, but i 'm on the ice thinking i'm five 'm the next days is in the dentist." Oh. <laughs>
1: I did have, you know, one one of our listeners did have a good question for you, and I, I kind of know how you feel about this already, but I'll figure I'll put it out for for the uh, podcast. Uh, do you feel any extra pressure because this is a contract year for you?
0: Um, that's a good question. Uh, no, I I don't think so. I've I I've been in a con- a contract year, you know, starting in the American League, so that was a little more pressure because you're thinking you have to get a job somewhere else if you don't have a good year, you know, they might not restrict you. You might have to sign in Europe. So that, that's more pressure. Um, no, I think, um, you know, what I've done for the last year and a half is, you know, shown that I can play in the NHL and whatever I do this year will show, you know, what my worth is. And, um, no, I don't think, I, I don't like to think about it or I don't, I mean, I see contracts that come out and you go, oh, you, you know, you do what everybody else does. It's not like you don't look at what other people are getting, but that's not my job. That's my agent's job. That's why I pay them. And, um, you know, I think the only pressure would be is that you want to have a good year so you can stay here. You don't want, I mean, I really like it here. I think, uh, you know, I want to help make the Arizona Coyotes a winner for year in and year out and a team that's hard to come in to play against. And, you know, that, that isn't what it you know kind of has been for the last, you know, a little bit. You want to change it here and I want to be a part of that. And, um, that would be where the pressure is that, you know, you want to have a good year that the Coyotes is a team that wants to
1: keep you and you know, you're not signed somewhere else. All right. one last one. We'll let you go here. Um, this is a good question, actually. Um, what's it like seeing yourself in NHL video games? Do you agree with your rating, and do you play as yourself often? I don't play um,
0: video games anymore. I played them my first year, um, or I played played a lot in the American League with the guys because we lived in the same apartment. And then this year, I mean, I haven't opened up my video games since uh, since probably I left for the bubble. So um, I get I get text messages from my buddies when they they'll send me a picture like, you know, I picked you in a deck or something or, you know, or, or I fought, but uh, no, I don't play uh, NHL or any of that stuff. Um, I'm sure my rating can't be that high. I would guess. I probably guessed around an 80 or something, but um, I, I used to love it as a kid. Oh my, I spent hours on it as a kid on the computer, Olin Nolan, 2001. That was, uh, (laughs) that was, that was my, that was my game as a kid. Used to, used to be the Bruins and so you know that was it. That was, that was that was as good as it got for
1: first grade uh
0: Connor. All
1: right man, thank you so much for taking all this time to talk with us and really 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 appreciated uh great insights too.
0: No oh, no worries. Uh we'll see you guys tonight at the scrimmage.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot Connor. Good luck this year man. All
0: right. Thank you. Talk to you.
2: Take care. Bye bye. good stuff there from uh, from a guy the Coyotes are definitely counting on this season, Craig. I mean, it it is interesting to see his career. I thought it was really interesting that he sort of explained the anomaly where he wasn't scoring nearly as many goals in the AHL as he does now in the NHL. And obviously the Coyotes need it, like you said.
1: Yeah, I wrote about that. I remember when he came up and was on that binge, uh, how he just basically remade his entire game. And he talked about you know, the Tucson staff playing a big role in that. But Steve Sullivan was also, you know, a guy who played a big role in that and a guy who knows very much what Connor Garland went through. He's a small guy himself that had to remake his game a bit to survive in the NHL and really at a time when, you know, it wasn't as easy to be a smaller player. So that's an incredible story because, look, I'll be honest, when when Connor Garland came on board initially with this franchise, I didn't think he was going to make it in the NHL because I saw the style of play he played at his size and thought that's not going to work in the NHL, but then he did what he did. He revamped his entire game and look at him now. Rick Tockett talks about needing more offense from a bunch of guys. You hope you just get a little bump from, from everybody. Not a lot of people talk about how much more Connor can do, but I do think there's more offense in his game. I mean, I think he could be a 25, maybe he could be a 30 goal scorer. I know he thinks he can do it. And that would be just an unbelievable story that this guy became a 30-goal scorer in the NHL with with all the work that he has put in. You, you know, you, you listen to him talk, and I don't think it's anything new
2: to Coyotes fans, but just when you hear him talk, you realize just how intelligently and you know, how motivated he is when he approaches the game. We were watching a practice the other day, and this is not the first time this has come up, but, I mean, it, it's it's hard to, to not watch him and be like, man, I wish everybody played – as intensely as he does you know what i mean like there are there are players in this league that are a lot bigger in stature or you know have had a clearer path to the nhl but they just don't work as hard as he does and you know if it was just hard work then he wouldn't be producing he's obviously got skill too but if everybody approached the game the way he does this would be the caliber of play in this league would be even higher
1: Yeah. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to say guys don't work hard. I think it's like what you said near the end. It's really, it's more about playing the game the right way. And I think he can be an example for a bunch of guys on this roster, the way he goes to the net, the way he goes to the hard areas. That is something that Rick Taka is obviously looking for from a number of key guys, a number of young players that are part of this core. They need to do that this season if they're going to have success, but with Connor, you know, going back to what you said earlier about him, He's one of the best interviews in the locker room, and you know this already. Uh, I mean, reporters always find this handful of guys that are just go-to guys because you know you're always going to get something good from them. He's approachable all the time. He's articulate. He's thoughtful. He's insightful. I mean, he's just – he's unbelievable. As as a reporter, you love to have guys like this to deal with. Yeah, easy to root for, certainly. I think even if you're just a a fan
2: of hockey, not necessarily a Coyotes fan if you're just impartial. But you're right, I mean – and look, some of those guys like Brad Richardson aren't here now. So it's, it's, for your purposes, you've, you've, you're going to be leaning on Connor even more. But yeah, just a, just a good player to have, not only for what he does on the ice, but it is interesting. He's kind of emerged as somebody that can lead by example on this team. It's not like he's been in the league for 10 years either. You know, like you said a couple of years ago, I don't even know that, that many people were expecting him to be a consistent player. And it, he, he just said it right there. He was basically still proving himself in training camp last season.
1: Let me ask you this, Uh, with Derek Stepan gone, the Coyotes have to name another alternate captain and they may choose, you know, one of those veterans that's going in the final year of their contract for one year, but could you see Connor Garland wearing an A? I I would do it. Uh, I do think he plays a similar style to
2: what Rick Tockett wants his team to play. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if we had talk here right now, we are like, hey, pick like one or two guys on your team, you want the whole team to play. Like, Connor would be right there. Might be at the top of the list, honestly. I would do it simply because you figure he's going to be here for a longer time than, you know, maybe a vet that, like you said, maybe is only going to be here this season. So you've sort of set the foundation going forward. I think he is a big part of that leadership group, whether he gets an alternate title or not.
1: Yeah. He checks all the boxes too, for what you need from that guy. I mean, and part of that, let's be honest, part of that is being a public face, a media face. So if you're a guy that can can do interviews the way he does interviews, that that reflects well on the team. And I, I think it's a good example for teammates to see a guy face the media the way he does. Yeah. Well, and he earned it. I mean, leading scorer too, last season, leading goal scorer too. So it's it's not like, it's
2: just like, Hey, he's a good guy and he's fun to talk to. Right. He, he make a case he was their best player at times last year. Um, all right, let's go. Let's, let's stick with the coyotes here since camp's been going for eh, a little under a week, just your general thoughts of what you have seen so far. And, and let's, let's start with the fact that they do look a little bit different. Uh, I know that they had, had mentioned earlier in the off season that they probably weren't going to make a lot more moves after they went out and they got Johan Larson and, and, and those guys, but they do end up trading uh, Derek Stepan and they bring in Derek Broussard. They also get a second round pick out of those unrelated deals, but Broussard is essentially there in some way to, to replace Stepan. I don't know if you just need a certain number of Derricks on the team or what, but um, what really? do you think about, Brous- what <laughs> What do you think about Broussard being here? I know the last two years he's bounced around a lot, but, there was a stretch of five years where he averaged basically 20 goals a season.
1: Yeah. I mean, just he, he replaces a lot of those sort of, I don't want to call them intangibles because they are tangible, but the, you know, more of that, more of the character stuff, more of the guiding the young core stuff. He he's provided that all in places where he's been, he's been a good player. Um, he's obviously bounced around a little bit. He's not in his prime anymore, but on a one-year deal for $1 million, I mean, he's a pretty good bargain. There's not a lot of risk there. He has a lot of experience that I think he can bring to this team. And he, you know, he still has some game left in him. Once he moved to the wing last year with the Islanders, he was pretty effective with Pajot on that line. And the Islanders obviously made a a deep run all the way to the conference finals. So I think there's things that you can gain from a guy like Derek Broussard. And again, there's, there's not a lot of risk involved in that contract. Uh, I I did just write about him today. So maybe that's why you're bringing this up uh, to help me plug my story. But there it is. (laughs) You know, I'm here for you. Um, Anybody really stood out
2: for you at camp It's funny Connor just mentioned that the the scrimmage was one of the the higher levels of, of scrimmage he's ever had. They went all out I mean they had the scoreboard going they had NHL officials they had full length intermissions I th- that felt like a real game on what uh, was that Wednesday afternoon Tuesday afternoon yeah.
1: Wednesday yeah and they, they have to right because they only have a basically a week of camp let's face it next week is practices before the season. So they have to treat those scrimmages like preseason games because they don't get any preseason games. So they had to ratchet up the intensity. Rick Tockett really wanted to see that. You know, talking to him after that scrimmage, he, he said, yeah, it was okay. I, I didn't see anything that I didn't like. I didn't see anything that really got me excited. He's, he's looking for guys to make plays, looking for guys to fill roles. To me, Luke, right now, it just it just feels so disjointed because you're still missing key guys from the lineup. So you can't really see what your lines or your pairs are going to look like. This is a really tough situation for coaches, obviously for the teams as well, but for coaches to try and figure out what they're going to do with their lineup, this is a really tough situation when you don't have all of your guys yet to look at.
2: I know that we have talked about this before, and we we touched on it a little bit with with Connor uh, earlier in the show, but to have three goalies, and look, it's not like you're going into the season, you're like, hey, we want Aiden Hill to be our number one. But there are going to be a lot of stretches where not only are you playing three games and four nights, you're seeing the same team for two or three of those games, depending on the situation. And, you know, yeah, exactly. And you don't really, I know some goalies can play both halves of a back-to-back, but you're going to want to pace yourself this year. I think we're going to see most teams third goalie at some point. And so, I don't know, if you ranked everybody's third goalie, I feel like Aiden Hill's probably towards the top of that list. I think Ranta's right near the top of the number twos in the NHL and Kemper definitely is right near the top of the number ones. The Coyotes have had a hard time scoring in the past and it's not like they added scoring in the off season really, but with goaltending, I mean, that is,
1: it's always the great equalizer, but it's, it could be a huge advantage for them this year. I completely agree. It's a huge strength for them this year. I uh, wrote about this as well. I, I do think that like in this division, since you're only talking about division play, it's either them or Vegas that has the best goaltending situation. Yeah. So, that's a nice thing to fall back on. It's a critical position, obviously. They also have their defense core completely intact, assuming you know they're all going to be healthy. Alex golagoski was skating today. I think Nick Chalmerson is going to miss the scrimmage tonight, but we expect those guys to play in the season. So there's that continuity. Those sorts of things can really help uh, at least anchor a team, and that is this team's identity. Again, though, they, they have to find a little more offense if they're going to be a playoff team. What do you think the dynamic's going to be like league-wide where you are
2: only playing the same teams in your division? So in, in a way, like what Toronto and Ottawa are doing is almost so far removed from what the Coyotes and Vegas are doing because they're never going to see them in, unless
1: they're in the final four. It's four different leagues. It's yeah. it's bizarre. Then you just meet at some point in the playoffs. It's it's really weird, but it's the reality of the times. The AHL is obviously doing the same thing. The Tucson Roadrunners are one of the teams that actually gets to play. And their, their situation is actually – I guess from a competitive standpoint, better than most, because the Pacific division has eight teams in the AHL, no other team, no other divisions close to that. So it's kind of cool for them. They get to play more games between 38 and 40. I was told by their president, Bob Hoffman, that's a really important part of this whole equation of what's happening this season as well. Development of the prospects, the younger guys, those guys are going to get to play more games. That means something, but it's still, you know, you still have to shake out which guys are going to actually be in the AHL, which guys are going to be on the taxi squad It's got to be so confusing planning all of this. Do you think, you know, when you listen, a lot
2: of the the national media on hockey does originate out of Canada. Do you think they're going to acknowledge that there are any other teams? Uh, I I don't pay attention to any Canadian media. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, that's good. But let's just say for somebody that might randomly pay attention to Canadian media, do you think they're going to treat this like a seven-team season and push for a Canadian division next year too? I think some outlets might do just that. Yeah. yeah interesting. Interesting.
1: Uh, any other thoughts on the Coyotes before we go big picture around the NHL? Not really. Just uh, just curious how they're going to manage this all. We, we have a games in a week. <laughs> it's, crazy. Seriously.
2: it's crazy. I mean,
1: yeah, the NHL season starts, what, next Wednesday. The Coyotes
2: will start on Thursday. San Jose, I mean, I guess we can start there when we go around the league. That is an interesting situation in the sense that the Coyotes basically have a roommate right now.
1: Yeah practicing at the ice 10 those practices are closed to media by the way imagine having to try to cover that team when you can't even get in and watch them practice it's a bizarre situation and we still don't have official word on whether they're actually going to be playing games at Gila River Arena I've heard a lot of hints that they are but nothing official yet coming from the Sharks or the NHL that that's a really bizarre situation I can't imagine well actually ASU can imagine it but imagine not playing any home games
2: (laughs) yeah no that's uh that's weird, and they are a team that, that struggled last year, although it is a good point that that team was was pretty beat up as well. What's, um, what division? Should we just start? Let's start over – let's start in that Canadian division. Are we going to do predictions here? Sure. Um, north division, you mean? Yes. Why couldn't
1: we call it the Canadian division? Is there anything more boring than directionals? No, we're calling it the Canadian
2: division. I, I mean, understand. They, they
1: sort of going back to, like, Norris and Smythe before they went to north.
2: Where did you come out on the whole – helmet sponsorship and division
1: sponsorship thing i i don't know why people are so upset about that i mean look i as i said to someone i i think i wrote this actually i don't want to see jerseys just littered with patches all over the place and ads everywhere but i don't think it's going to come to that i think part of what people have to understand with those european leagues the reason that they're littered with patches they don't make as much revenue from those sponsors so they, they, they're going to put a bunch of them on to just make up the money. But when you get like a title sponsor for a jersey, that's worth a lot of money. If you try and put others on, you're not going to make as much money in the NHL. So I don't think we're going to see that. But the idea of a subtle sticker, not in the case of the Penguins, of course. But
2: No, what's the the Penguins are like the only one where it looks bad. <laughs> it's
1: ginormous. It's ginormous. I was like, wow, okay. I hope they got a little more money from PPG for that because that was the only one where I looked and said, eh, "That one's not so great." But yeah, they got that money on helmets. I don't care about the division names having sponsors. Like, when is that ever going to come up? Other than like if you read NHL.com, do you think there's a writer or a broadcaster out there that's going to mention the sponsor's name when they talk no. about a division? And they don't need to because, I mean, the league's
2: already got the money from it being there. Like, it's not like they're getting paid by how many times we all mention the, the sponsor. The only thing I, I, I do agree with people when they get upset or when people are like, when, when the counter argument is, oh, this is only for one year and then it'll be gone, get over it. Like, I don't, I don't think when a league realizes they can make money, they're going to suddenly stop doing it next year. But yeah, I don't really care about the division names. I, look, it would, have, would it have been cool if they were named like Gretzky and Orr and Lemieux and, and how divisions or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But it would also be cool to be able to have a packed arena at these games. And we can't. I'm just happy we're actually getting the, the
1: sport to be played. But, you know, well, to I the see, point. That's it, right. They're making up revenue, which they need to do. So, you know, kind of get over it. It's, it's yeah. not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Why are we worried about this?
2: And you can make the helmet sticker not look that bad. Like, the Coyotes looks fine. The Capitals, as much as it pains me, I mean, they are Capital One. It fits them pretty well. Pittsburgh, ooh, I'm going to have to get used to that bright blue square on the side of a bright yellow helmet. But um, we'll see. Whatever whatever gets them money for Jim Rutherford to spend on a defenseman I don't want on the roster, I guess we have to take it. Uh, And also, you know, big picture, I – I've maintained all along where I don't want to see advertising is on NFL helmets and hockey jerseys. Maybe it's inevitable on a hockey Jersey. I don't know, but the hockey helmet is not nearly as sacred to me as if we're seeing like the Montreal Canadians Jersey with like Google written across the front of it or something.
1: Oh yeah. Like across the front would be pretty rough to see, but what about a small patch? Would you be okay with that? Like on the shoulder? I don't mind it so much sure. on the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I just, I don't yeah, mind. I don't want to see like the sponsor replace the name of the team on the front of the jersey. That would be too far. But again, I don't. I don't think the NHL is going that route. I know people. Some people believe in this slippery slope conspiracy theory. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think the NHL wants to do that. You think people believe in conspiracy theories Uh-oh. on the internet? Oh, we want to weird. Go here, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. Let's uh, okay. Let's get into the division predictions. Let's start with the Canadian division. And do you just want to go in order? Top. Talk- it's the North. Of, actually, can you say the sponsor's name as well? Because I can't remember who the hell is sponsoring the North. Uh, the North. It's Scotia, right? Scotia. The North of Scotia.
2: Okay. I don't remember the other ones. Calgary, yeah. so.
1: Okay. Um,
2: do you we just want to go in order? Up.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could, we could just like go. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I'll just, I'll
2: just run through my seven and then you give me your seven and we'll, we'll compare them. I have uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Montreal, Ottawa.
1: We are almost identical here. We flipped Edmonton and Calgary. So I have Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Ottawa. Okay. Can you explain to me the love affair with the Montreal Canadiens?
2: Even Uh, if you just look at Vegas odds, Montreal is either third or fourth. Something about that Canadian media
1: we talked about earlier. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's going up against other Canadian media. They made a flurry of moves. Uh, They still don't have great play at center. Uh, I look at this roster and it's not a playoff roster. Sorry. I don't see how Montreal makes the playoffs in that
2: division. Maybe They've I'm wrong. They've got a better
1: chance than other teams because they're in a seven-team division versus an eight-team division. So I guess by numbers, there's a better percentage chance of them making it. But <laughs> when you look at the teams that they have to leapfrog, I mean, maybe they could leap the, leapfrog the Jets if, if, if we see that trend continue. But, I mean, I think Toronto, Calgary, and Edmonton are definitely playoff teams. And, I, I mean, I saw an up from Vancouver. Even though I don't think they're nearly as good as some people think they are, I, I think that's a playoff team. I don't think people fully appreciate, if you live outside of Canada,
2: how fun that division's going to be. Because remember, every team's media and fans has unrealistic expectations, and they all think their teams are definitely winning the Cup, and how dare us even question it. So when Montreal finishes sixth, behind five Canadian teams, mind you, it's going to get ugly.
1: Yeah. I don't think Ottawa's fans think they're going to win the Cup, but there are a lot of them that think that they are now a playoff team with all the moves that they have made, and they are not a playoff team. I will just say this. I would love it if Ottawa made the playoffs in that division because oh. that means Vancouver, Winnipeg, California, somebody's going to be really upset. I just don't think Ottawa can do it. But, Which uh, team do you think would be the most fun for an American audience to see miss the playoffs from a Canadian, one of the Canadian teams? Oh, Toronto. Okay. It's Toronto, either Toronto right? or Vancouver, I mean.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because Vancouver, their fans and media believe they are as good as Toronto this year. Um, I don't, I mean, Toronto, if Toronto missed the playoffs with that lineup, they would have to probably take a year off after that. They would probably have to trade some players, some key players. Yeah. Maybe the, like the desert where they train. It's an interesting thought. Are we going to adopt the team in these other divisions? Who are you adopting in this Canadian division?
1: I gotta, I have to, it's either Calgary or Edmonton just because of the Coyotes connections.
2: Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll adopt them. Yeah. By the way, that's going to be the greatest rivalry this season. Oh when, uh, when it,
1: You're going to wrap yeah. that thing up on ten more notches. The Battle can of you, Alberta is going to be – it's going to be like the bloodbath of Alberta now. Can you imagine if uh, if Zach
2: Cassian and Matthew Kachuk have that interaction they had last year and then they played three more games in a row in the, in the next week? yeah um okay i don't have the division names let's go to tampa's division that's what we should call this division because it's tampa and seven it other
1: teams is, okay it is it is i know this is going to shock you that they, they chose this name but it's called the central Ooh. okay which makes okay. no sense with with tampa and florida in it of course but that's okay do you have the sponsor this, this to me by the way i no, i don't remember i i remember that honda is the sponsor of the west division that's okay. that's all i remember and i will forget that in two weeks but let's talk about the teams in the Central because, in my opinion, this is the weakest division in the NHL. Yes. Absolutely. I have a hard time getting four teams that are worthy of the playoffs in this division unless – yeah, I, and I don't know I should say that. But he, he, here's my – here's why I'm having a hard time with this division. Nikita Kucherov's out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they're going to have the cup hangover. So are they going to really come out of the gates enough to win this division? I know they're – they're the best team in the division when healthy. But what are your thoughts on Tampa?
2: I think I still think they're the team to beat because now they for them it was so clearly mental. And it, have they have they officially ruled Kucherov out for the playoffs or is it just regular season? Regular season, yeah. yeah. I'm um, but it's standing, so yeah. As as far as winning the division, I mean, I. I I'm still going to take Tampa to win the division, but I absolutely, you're right. I see a path where they just kind of coast through the first half of the season. Cause they know they'll make it. There's not really much other competition in this division. If I was going to pick somebody else, I would have picked Dallas, but they're going to have a hard time starting the season on time now
1: with, with what they have going on. Right. And I, I mean, Dallas was, they were incredible to watch in the bubble, but I'm not sure I believe that that's real. I'm not sure that they're going to replicate that. I, this is an aging roster. I'm, I'm not fully on board with Dallas, although I I love some of their young players. Miro Heishkinen is, no. he's yeah. a Norris Trophy winner at some point. He's he's a wonder. But up front, I think they're aging a little bit. I'm not sure about Dallas. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't know that this team is going to be consistent enough to win the division. So, here's here's the crazy thing that I did, and and, and I'll admit this is crazy, and, and it's probably not going to happen. Tampa Detroit. will probably still win this. Di- uh, no, not, I'm I'm not <laughs> okay. insane. Crazy. Um, Tampa probably still win the division, but because of the Kucherov situation and the Cup hangover, I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to pick Carolina to win the division. I knew it. I knew you were going to do something like that. Okay, uh, Carolina's a good team. They are a good team, and and with the issues that Tampa and Dallas are going to have, I mean, I could see them doing it. I don't. I don't think they're going to make a, a deep playoff run in spite of that. Um, Because I think Tampa will get its act together by then and be ready to make another run. Although it's it's hard to repeat, as we know. But here's here's my order right now: Carolina, Tampa, Dallas, Nashville, edging out Columbus for the fourth spot, fourth playoff spot. Florida, Chicago, Detroit, Chicago, which has no centers now. It's like hey.
2: At least you have had a quarterback in the past –
1: or a center in the past, yeah, not a quarterback. Corby Doc out, Jonathan Taves out. Uh, hey, Dylan Strom is your number one center now.
2: Hey, look, he uh, well,
1: finally ascended to number one center, center status. Yeah, that's it that. all,
2: all it took is everybody else leaving. Um, okay, well, I, I do have Tampa one. I have Carolina two, Dallas three. I went Columbus over Nashville, and I'll be honest, I wanted to move Florida up, but I remember last year – buying into Florida like three different times, including going into the bubble, and they were just not. So that that team should be better than they are. But I have Florida sixth, Chicago seventh, and Detroit 15th. Okay. If, like If they add an AHL team, they will go ahead of Detroit. <laughs> and that is the Central Division brought to you by Discover, Craig. Okay, thank you. And now for the East Division brought to us by... Uh, hold on, hold on. The East division, of, of course, is brought to us by Mass Mutual. And I would say this is
1: the toughest division. Yes, I agree. This is the best division in hockey. Um, there, there's okay. there's going to be at least one good team that misses the playoffs from this division. Yeah, I think
2: there's going to be two. And I fear one of them is going to be Pittsburgh. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to go.
1: This is hard to pick this order, isn't it? Because It you really be is. Seeing, and while you, you see traditional strengths – you look at teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, and Boston. They're all aging. They're all eroding a bit. So I don't know how far that erosion takes them down or if it takes them down at all. I don't know what to think of the Islanders' run last year. I don't know how much the Rangers are going to move up. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. All of that led me to pick someone else to win the division, but you go first. Oh, well, that means either Buffalo or Philadelphia for you. <laughs> I think you um, <laughs> uh,
2: I'm going to go with Boston one. I, just, I still respect a ton of what that team can do. I agree with what you're saying, though. They're a candidate to drop off. I just – Washington, too, and I think it's going to be very close. I have Philadelphia, third. I have Pittsburgh, fourth. I can't imagine Crosby letting them miss, although they don't do anything when they get there now anyway, so who knows. Right. The Islanders, I have fifth. I have the Rangers, sixth, but I do think they're going to be a lot better this year. Buffalo, seventh, and, and I eagerly await all of the people in a month asking whether or not Buffalo is going to win the cup this year when they start five and two and then New Jersey eighth. I mean, that's, that's a brutal draw for New Jersey.
1: Our bottom four are the same actually I have the Islanders, Rangers, Buffalo, New Jersey as well. So all those teams missing, which is boy, the Islanders went to the conference final last year to miss the playoffs. It's, yeah. That would be big. And then the Rangers, you know, I, I agree with you. I think they will be better, but the, they just happen to play in the best division in hockey for the top four. I picked Philadelphia to win this division this year. Yeah. Then I went Boston 2, Washington 3, Pittsburgh 4. Great. So Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs, too. I know you love that matchup, so I chose it just for
2: that. I I hate it so much. Uh, All right. Let's get to the Coyotes division, which is also known as the West division brought to you by Honda. Hmm. This one, it is funny how these divisions all have different personalities because, like, the Canadian division is just going to be a bloodbath. The, uh, the East division is just, is low. It was already, and it's basically the Metro and you add Boston in the uh, the central division is pretty lame. And then this division, the coyotes division is like, to me, there's a clear top three and a clear bottom three and then two teams fighting for a playoff spot.
1: Totally agree with you. That's exactly how I described it in my notes. I I look at it as cup contenders, uh, middle of the sandwich teams. And then what does hockey look like again, teams? Because we have three teams in California that haven't played since March. It's been 10 months. I have talked to so many analysts, so many former players who think that is going to be huge early in the season. What did they get? They got three extra days of training camp. That's it to prepare for the season that when they finally take the ice, it will have been 10 months, more than 10 10 months. months since about 10 months since they played a game for LA Anaheim and San Jose. So you don't have any exhibition games. You don't have any way of working out the kinks. I think all those teams are going to struggle early, and in a fifty-six game season, that's
2: all it takes. Yeah, and they're also—I mean, just in general—they are behind the other teams in this division talent-wise. LA is intriguing to me not so much this year, but Mm -hmm. they are stockpiling some good young talent, and they have kind of quietly
1: done this. Yeah, so. and I, I don't believe in what they did last. Like people are talking, oh, my God, they finished so well. Well, they won their final seven games after they were out of the playoffs and there was no pressure. We've seen that act play out before, including here in Arizona. It's yeah. not a big deal. It, it's so much easier to play games like that. I don't think that that's going to translate. First of all, I don't, I don't believe in momentum from one season to the next anyway. But with, with the hurdles they face with being, you know, still rebuilding and not having played in 10 months, I don't see L.A. as a playoff team.
2: No, but down the line, this is – I mean, you you should enjoy your time where L.A. is in the rearview mirror while it lasts because they do have a lot of good prospects that they've – you know, Quentin Byfield, they got with the second pick in the draft, and I really like him. But they've gotten other guys like late first round, early second round they've been able to pick up over the last couple of years, and it's like, oh, okay, you see him in the World Juniors too. Uh, I'll let you go first in this one, Craig. Okay. By the way, what's it like to get a top two pick and get a center? Man, you know, (laughs) what's it like to have a first-round pick? Yeah, well – how, nice. much, how much could the Coyotes use Quentin Byfield?
1: He hasn't even played an NHL game yet. Yeah. All right, here's my order of finish in the West Division brought to us by Honda. It's the last time I'll say that. Colorado. You could be driving a Honda, Craig. I, I used to, but I do not anymore. So. Oh, okay. So Colorado. Yes. Vegas. St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And now for the sandwich teams. I'm taking Arizona to make the playoffs over the Minnesota Wild. So Arizona fourth, Minnesota fifth, LA sixth, Anaheim seventh, San Jose eighth.
2: Wow. We have almost the exact same. I have Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis. I do have Arizona making it over Minnesota, although they seem to have a hard time with Minnesota. That you can't. Yeah. You you can't like you can't get by if you struggle against Minnesota this year. Those are the most important games. I'll tell you right now this season. Coyotes against the wild are the most important
1: games. I'm gonna take Darcy Kemper with me to see Mrs. Reed as you know, the, the woman that works at Mrs. Rita's, So we'll, 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 handle that early in the season. Okay. I do have Minnesota
2: fifth. I was torn on sixth and I'm, I'm going to, this way I'll make this pick and I can blame it on Connor Garland if it's wrong, but you know, he did, he did touch on something that I was thinking. San Jose was pretty beat up last year. There is still talent on that team. I'll take San Jose sixth, LA seventh, but LA certainly on the rise, Anaheim man. I've been in Anaheim's uh, corner in the past. I've had their back. That is not a good hockey team right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're not. And and but the I don't have San Jose up higher because I don't think it's easy playing an all-road schedule.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That is a good point. And I, they, they are a weird team because they have some really good players, and then they just kind of have a huge drop-off to the rest of their team. It, I'll be interested to see how they come together as a team, if they do. And, you know, to your point – when you're playing these teams that haven't played in 10 months the coyotes open with san jose those are a couple games you could steal right off the bat hopefully because that's when san jose is playing their first games in 10 months they are playing their games in an opposing arena home and like they they've got some adjusting to do so mm-hmm. hopefully the coyotes can jump on them early cuz then yeah it's it's vegas then vegas then vegas then vegas <laughs> it's ridiculous man yeah yeah well Starts here very uh, very shortly, so it's uh, it's it's good to to finally have hockey back. What about uh, anything outside of the uh, division predictions? Anything you want to go any any big
1: any big stories outside of just predictions here? You have. I'm curious to see where Pierre Luc Dubois ends up now that he wants out of Columbus. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think he's a I think he's a number one center. I don't think he's a franchise center, but. I liked, I've liked what I've seen from him recently. So that will be interesting to see how that situation plays out because that kind of player can alter a team's fortunes. Yeah, I,
2: I would take him if they wanted to ship him to, uh, to Arizona or certainly to Pittsburgh. I don't think they'll ship him to Pittsburgh since they're in the same division. But that's, that's one of those guys where it is – that's a good way to define it. I think in the past we've always just said, hey, do you have a number one center? There's a second level, right? There's franchise centers, and he's not that. But I think you feel pretty comfortable going into a playoff series if Pierre-Luc Dubois is your number one center.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Jonathan Taves, do we have much of an update on him?
1: No. No, we don't. We, we do know that Kirby Doc is out a long time, but Jonathan Taves is still unclear what, what he's suffering. I've, I haven't liked some of the things I've heard from teammates who clearly know what's up, you know. Yeah. Hinting that it could be longer term, if it, if it look, if it's, if it's even 20 games, I didn't think the Blackhawks had much of a chance to make the playoffs anyway, even though they're in the worst division in hockey, but without those two guys, they're going to be awful. And maybe that's the plan now, since unlike last year, when Stan Bowman, who has now added the title czar to his his number of titles with the Blackhawks, unlike last year when he said they were going to retool and, you know, give these guys another run. Now they're rebuilding. And so the Blackhawks rewarded him with a promotion for doing that about face, that waffle, changing his mind.
2: That that's how you do it, right? You make you, you go for the playoffs one year, you rebuild the next, playoffs the next, rebuild the next. Like you just you want to have an unclear plan where you just waffle back and forth, right? Yes,
1: that's what makes money. Apparently, that's what gets you promoted.
2: <laughs> well, at least you have the Bears, or somehow in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I think that's it. I don't really have anything else. We we threw all our listener questions at uh, at Connor, so. We should just have him come on and answer the listener questions every week.
1: Yeah, just randomly. like, with, yeah, It could be about something that he has no, no knowledge of whatsoever, but he could still answer them.
2: How did we not ask him if they're donut
1: holes or donut balls? He grew oh. up in the land of Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, this kills me. This pains me that we didn't ask him that question. I missed that. We'll just assume yeah, like he was a, guy gonna... who was a huge Dunkin' Donuts fan. Yeah. We'll
2: assume huh. he was going to say donut balls and we'll just assume
1: I was right. Yeah. If you had brought that up just a little earlier, we probably still got, could have got an answer from him.
2: (laughs) All right. Uh, I think that's it. No real big moves. You mentioned Kucherov out for the regular season in case people don't know that it is, it's sort of a strange vibe. There hasn't been a lot of uh, a lot of hype for the NHL season so much just because it was kind of like, Hey, we gotta, we we, we have to get this put together and we get camp in there and we got to cram it in real quick. And you know, Christmas was just a week and a half ago or whatever. And the NFL playoffs and the NBA is going, but it's here. I mean, hockey starts next Wednesday and there's going to be some challenges. We're already seeing it with Dallas and Columbus. I hope that they are able to navigate this the way that the other sports are doing.
1: Yeah. The the, the fans in the stands one is a is a really interesting aspect of this. I don't know if you saw like Minnesota is suddenly allowing like, I don't know, was somewhere between 100 and 200 fans. They're going to allow of games, which is, which is crazy. Um, but it's basically, it's a half a dozen teams, right? That are allowing any fans at all. And it's between 20 and 25% capacity. It's Florida. It's Nashville, Dallas, the Coyotes, Vegas. Am I, am I missing someone?
2: Um, someone? Not off the top of my head. I, I just keep thinking of, uh, of, of Sean Payton's plan for the NFL. Did you hear this one? I did not hear this one. Oh, okay. Make sure you're sitting down. His plan for the new Orleans saints is to have 50,000 fans quarantined together for two weeks so that they can go to the game. all right (laughs) i think we can like we're gonna end on that note and a reminder why sean payton doesn't run any major professional sports leagues (laughs) all right that's gonna do it for us for craig morgan thanks to Connor garland i'm luke lipinski thanks to you for listening to the natural hat trick podcast